God's been dealing with my heart about sharing messages of standalone messages on where we're at as a church, where we're headed, and hitting little, little topics that we need to really grab a hold of to thrust us on into 2022. And of course, a few weeks ago, I ministered how that, how that God wants us, has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and we're going to operate better when we get in that plan and get in that purpose. And last week, I shared a message on relationships, what Nate talked about. The entire Bible was built on loving God and loving one another. And that's what all this is about. Nate, you're absolutely right. Is that it is about a family. It's about coming together as a body of Christ, loving one another. And if we could grab a hold of that truth, then I'm telling you what, God can change your life, set you free. And so today, I want to just share a message that's burning on my heart. It's not going to be long. I want to go as quick as I can um, because it's just so much wonderful things that's happening. But but I'm going to talk to you about commitment. And just how committed are you really to serving the Lord? How committed are you to Christ? I think I want you to ask yourself that question. And while you're thinking about that question, I'm going to pray that God blesses this message. God, I, I pray that, Father, that you would shake us right now and remind us that God... We need to be committed to you. Because God, there's so many other things right now that we can be committed to other than you. But God, I pray that over the next few moments that we're together, that God, you just anoint this word that you've given me for all of us that are here this morning. And God, you're going to change some lives. I don't know who they are yet, but God, you're going to minister to them right where they're at, Father. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do. God, what you've already done but God, how you're going to use this word, God, how, the, how that you're going to use me as your servant, God, I submit myself to you, God. I don't want to walk on my own, God, but God, I completely, totally surrender myself to you to say, God, here I am. Use me. Use my lips, God. Use my voice. Use this body as yours, God, to be able to be your servant, to share the truth to this precious group of people that, God, that are here this morning to hear a life-giving message in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Thank you. You know, I, I love youth ministry. I, actually, I think, uh, matter of fact, there was a young man who texted me that was a part of our youth ministry. Just a moment ago, it was his birthday. I texted him while I was watching that video. God said, oops, it's his birthday. I says, hey, man, I'm, I'm happy, happy birthday, Matt. And Matt just texted me back and said, thank you for pouring into my life. And, and for many of you that may not know this, I have been a youth pastor longer than I've ever been a senior pastor. It's been in my blood. That's all I've ever done. I mean, I, I had done youth ministry until I was how? About 45 years old. I, I was 20 when I started, and I never got out of it. I love youth ministry. I don't tell a lot of people, but I, I love it. It's part of my DNA. It's what God has done in me. And so that's why sometimes I'm like Ed, you know, or, um, or uh, yeah, um, when he's, oh, I want to play. I'm here to play. I, Eddie. I'm sorry, Eddie. <laughs> I was going to go Eddie. I meant to say Eddie. Sorry, I, I, got, I was wanting to say that. You knew who I was. But anyway, um, but as Mike said, he wants to play and he wants to be a kid. And it drives Evelyn crazy. I know it does because it drives her crazy, my wife. I always want to play and I get in trouble. And people say, well, I can't believe you said that in the pulpit. Well, hello. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking I'm talking to youth all the time. And so it's still, it's in my blood. But anyway, 
So um, let's, let's just jump on in here. But I, I love youth ministry, and I, I love you all. I love being a senior pastor, too. It's been fun. Been a fun, wonderful 13 years. How long have we been doing this now? 13 years? How old are we? I forgot. We start in 2009, actually the end. It's like 2010, the very January, we might as well say, three months before that. So what do we have here? 2002, that's 12 years old, aren't we? Yeah, 12 years old. So, wow, 12 years. So we're 12 years old in, so it's, it's been a wonderful ride, exciting times, watching you grow while I've grown, we all grow together. But uh, let's go ahead and let's dive in. I, I don't want to take up too much time, but I'm going to go as quick as I can for the sake of time because I don't want to keep you here. We don't want to get crossed with everybody coming and going with snow out there. And thank you for being here this morning. People called me and said, hey, we're going to have... You know, we're going to cancel a service. What are we going to do? And I went come down here with some of the guys. We looked at it. We thought, hey, you know, people are going to go to church regardless. You know, the ones who want to be here is going to be here. The ones who don't want to be here is not going to be here. Right? And I thought, you know what? Hey, we've been shut down for a year. I'm not shutting down again. Let's have church. Amen. So we're going to have church. Now, if it snows all night long and it's like a blizzard, we probably ought to rethink that one, but it didn't do that. So we, we had church and we're all here. So, but I will try to get you out as quick as possible. So we don't want anybody. Y'all be careful, please leave in the parking lot because we couldn't get the whole parking lot done. We was able to get sidewalk. All right. I'm going to be quiet. Let's jump on in here. Um, I want you to ask yourself the question, am I totally committed to the Lord? Am I totally committed to the Lord? Because what will happen in life is this. How many of you have ever made some huge doozies, man, some mistakes in your life? I mean, you've made, I'm going to be, I'm raising both hands. I'm with you, Brenda. Man, I have made some doozies in my life. And here's the problem with that. What happens is, is when you mess up, it interferes with you being committed to Christ because you feel like a failure as, as Denise was sharing as she was worshiping. There are some of us here this morning, you feel like a failure. You've messed up and you've gotten discouraged. And instead of moving forward, you have stopped. And, and it, it's interfering with your commitment to Christ. And so what I want to do for the next few moments, I want to share uh, uh, three people in the Bible who messed up really, really bad, but yet it never hindered their commitment to the Lord. They stayed committed to the Lord. And it's three of my favorite people that I love to study in the Word of God. And one of them I want to tell you about was Paul. Paul's one of my favorite. Now, we know that Paul messed up. His mess up was he was a martyr. He killed Christians, thousands of Christians. Then finally on the road to Damascus, he gets saved, has an encounter with God, gets saved, and now he becomes one of the greatest apostles of Jesus Christ ever. But now he gets arrested. Now he gets thrown in prison. Now he's waiting to be uh, persecuted, and he's waiting to actually be ex executed. But here's the thing that's so amazing about Paul that I love is Paul stayed faithful and committed to Christ. While he was in prison, waiting to be executed, he writes these encouragement letters to all these churches. And one I'm about ready to read to you, he writes to the, uh, the church of Philippi and encourages them, say, hey man, it's all gonna work out. He should have been mad, he should have been angry, but he wasn't. He writes another letter to the church at Ephesus and, and, and the church at Corinth, writing all these encouraging letters to them. And not only that, but he's writing an encouragement letter to himself, planning his future while the guards is planning his death. But what was it well, that made this transformation? Let's read it here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. He says this, brothers and sisters, now he's writing this while he's in prison, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. In other words, I haven't arrived. I'm still learning. I'm still new at this thing. 
But I love what he says, but one thing I do. There's one thing I do. I, in other words, what he's going to say, I'm going to stay committed to God. I, I'm in this thing now. What he's going to do, he's going to forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so in other words, what he said here, he said, I'm going to forget all my mistakes that I've had in my past. And here's the beautiful thing about our God is is it doesn't matter your mistakes this morning. It doesn't matter how bad that you've messed up. We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God that doesn't look at you and say, no, you messed up, you're done, it's over with for you. No, I thank God that every Sunday I get to redo. And when I feel like that I'm a failure and I feel like that I blew it, that, that God says, no, son, you get to redo. Jim, that's what we said. Jim said, I messed up. No, no you get to redo in God's kingdom. We get to redo. So in other words, it's like you shooting at your target. I, I shared that story about that young lady who was shooting and shot the, the horse rather than a deer. But, but it's like God. He says, no, if you miss the target, shoot again. I've missed it, God. No, we'll shoot again. Well, I missed it, God. No, shoot again. And the beautiful thing about God, he's the one that keeps giving you the ammo. And it never runs out. His ammo's unlimitless, you know. He's going to give you unlimited limo, uh, ammo so that you can keep shooting at the target over and over and over and over. And when you hit it, and finally he says, okay, you hit that target. Now, here's another target. I want you to start shooting at this one. But what happens is, is our discouragement when we fail, it gets us discouraged and we want to quit and we stop. And so, so in Isaiah 43 tells us this in 18 to 19, do not remember the former things. Forget about the past or that past is going to hold you in bondage, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. When is he going to do a new thing in your life? Is it going to be tomorrow, the next day, or the day after, a year from now? No. God says, I'm going to do a new thing in you when? Now. Now I'm going to do a new thing in you. It shall spring forth, shall you not know it? But the problem about this verse is, is many people can't receive that. They don't believe it's going to be now because they stay focused too much on their past. And they hang on to the past when God says, no, I want to do thing. I want to do that new thing in you. Now we have to forget about the past, those things that we've done. And so here's the, the three greatest decisions that I've ever made in my life. Number one was my decision to serve the Lord. The second greatest decision I've ever made in my life was marrying that lady right there. The third, now she may, I don't know about her, but for me, that was the greatest decision because she has been such a blessing to me and she holds me accountable and she, she keeps me accountable. And I love that about her. I would not be the pastor I am today without that woman of God right there, guys. So you need to thank her. When I mess up, you just need to blame me. I'm the one who messed up, but she holds me accountable. But the third greatest decision I've ever made in my life was to start Elevation Church and hear that God's voice. The third greatest decision. But here's my point. It's like Paul, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. You know, over the 12 years, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've missed the mark. I've blown it many times. There's been times I felt like a failure. Come on, can you agree? Can you, I mean, you can agree with me? Can you feel the same way? Even though that I've pastored, there's times I miss the mark. There's times where I drop the ball. Why? Because I'm a human being. 
But the greatest decision that I've made is I am going to be totally sold out, committed to God. And that is what keeps me moving forward. No matter what the mistake is, I'm going to keep moving forward. Why? Because I'm going to be totally committed to my God. So you have to push through those mistakes. And so my question to all of us this morning, what's the one decision that you need to make? That one decision that you need to make to keep you focused to serve and follow Christ and, and, and be totally committed to Christ. Put this up here. There we go. What's the one thing you can change in your life right now that would make the biggest difference? What is that? Now, my goal this morning is to help all of us find that one thing. And the one thing that I found was for me to serve God, be totally committed to God. And for some of you, you know what, there might be a lot of obstacles in your way that you're going to have to change. And let me give you a list of just a couple here. Maybe some of you have some habits. Maybe there's that one habit that you're going to have to get master in order for you to be completely, totally committed to God. Because if you don't master that, it's going to keep getting in the way. It could be drugs. It could be, it could be uh, watching the wrong things on TV. It could be a habit of watching the wrong things on the internet or whatever that it may be. And now the next one is, is maybe relationships. Maybe you need to change some of your relationships. We talked about that last week. For some of you, you're going to have to stop and can't and just say, no, I can't be in this relationship anymore. You're dragging me down the wrong path. Or for some of you, you need to work on the relationships that you're in now. You need to be a better husband, maybe a better wife. Work on those relationships. What's the one change that needs to happen in your life that's going to make the biggest difference in your life? And the next one could be maybe debts. Maybe some of you, you're overspending. You're, you're racking up those charge cards to the point where, where it's, it's hurting the family. And you're going to have to make a decision. That, that has got to change in my life so I can be totally committed to Christ. If that doesn't change, it's going to hurt. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, to uh, uh, work against us. Some of you may need to make a decision to get involved in the financial peace classes. What's the one thing that, that you can do in your life this year can make the biggest difference? And the next one is this one right here is your health. Maybe some of you, you know that you're going to have to up your exercise a little bit. Some of you are going to have to watch a little bit more what you're eating. Now, this is for me, okay? Both of those. I got to watch what I'm eating. I got to get my exercise up. Why? Because that's going to make a huge difference in my life. Trust me, this, this silly junk we just come through, I kind of got stayed in the house a little too much. I got a little bit less energy, you know, and I've got to up that thing, man. I'm gonna, I, there's a treadmill. I got to get the clothes off. I got the boxes off of it. I need to get on that, okay? It works better when I get on it rather than looking at it. And I'm sitting there eating something. Oh, man, that treadmill, woo! <laughs> How about this one? The last one, dreams. Maybe some of you had some incredible dreams. Maybe to start that business, and you never know if you don't, you know? Maybe you, do, you had a dream to start that business, and that, that may change your life. Or maybe some of you, to go back and get that education. Well, I'm too old. No, maybe, maybe God's been dealing with your heart. That one thing, what's, gonna, what's it going to make? Uh, how it's going to make the biggest difference in your life? Or maybe this year, it's to get in the ministry. Start, do something for the ministry, for the kingdom of God. And you've seen that there's so many places you can get involved in the ministry in this church. Don't say that there's not a spot for you. Hello, Carl and Gail can use you at the door. You just got to make sure you know how to smile and be friendly. If you're not friendly and smiley, you don't go there, okay? Don't go to that place. You know, go to a place and look in front of a computer. You don't have to smile at that. Just, you know, you can click, whatever. You know, there's always a place for you. That may not be your gift, but maybe some of you got those dreams. But what's the one thing? You see, Paul had that one thing in his life that he said, that one thing I'm going to do 
is I'm going to forget the things that's behind me, and I'm going to stretch toward the things that's before me. So in order for us to be successful at all these things, we have to keep including God. God cannot be left out. We must include God. I can only do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can't do it by myself. But if you're going to accomplish this list, you have to include God. And so you can't leave him out. So what's that one thing that needs to change? And that was for Paul. Now, the second person that really changes my life that I love to listen to her is Mary, is Mary, is Mary. Now watch this, but, but let me, before I go into that, I, I, I've got ahead of myself here. Let's go ahead and read Psalms 27 verses four, because it's not Mary, it's actually David. Let's go to David first. Let's go to David. Now David was a, was a man who messed up too. He killed Bathsheba's wife or, or Bathsheba's husband so he could take Bathsheba to be his wife, right? Remember that? Now, Psalms 27, verses 4. One thing, David said, I ask for the Lord, or from the Lord. This only, I, uh, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to what? To seek him in his temple. So in other words, for David, for Paul, it was to forget the things behind him. For David, it's to get into the presence of God. Is to seek God, is to stay in his presence. That's what David says. In other words, let's put this up there. This is really what David's saying. Staying close to God will empower me to do all those things on my list. But you got to stay close to God if you're going to be able to complete the list because God's going to be the one who helps you to get through that list. And so what's it going to take? to stay totally, truly committed to the Lord, staying close to the Lord. Now, Jesus talks to Martha and Mary. And the next character I want to tell you about in the Bible is Mary. We went through David and we went through Paul. Both of those guys had, did incredible mistakes. But they, they, they said one thing, though, I'm going to stay close to God. I'm going to stay committed to him. I'm going to push through it. Now, watch Mary. Mary was Mary Magdalene here. This, she was a prostitute, made a lot of mistakes, she had an opportunity now to be in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus has been traveling with them for a long time now, telling them over and over, Martha and Mary and all of the disciples, they've been traveling together, and Jesus keeps telling them, I'm about ready to leave, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die for your sins, and I'm going to be out of here, so you need to spend as much time as you can while I'm here in person because there's going to be a day coming. I'm not going to be here. So Martha invites Jesus and the gang over to her house to cook dinner for them. And Mary was there, and Mary had to make a decision what the most important thing is right there at that moment. Now let's read it. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 and 42. This is how it happens. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. That's Mary Magdalene, by the way. She was that prostitute that God completely healed and restored. She got out of that now. God changed your life who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, notice what she's doing. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, let's keep reading. But Martha was distracted. I love that word. She was what? Distracted by what? With much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to, do, to serve alone? She's cooking this meal. And by the way, this is the only story in the Bible that I really feel for the person Martha here. 
Why? Because she's doing something good. I want you to notice this. She's not sinning. She's doing something good. Now, pay very close attention because we're going to talk about something that's good can be terrible. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her. I could, I could, I could only imagine him being there. She, he says, Martha, Martha. I, Martha, Martha. Martha, 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 Martha. And when Jesus says your name twice, every time you read in the Bible, he's trying to get your attention. Now, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But watch, here's this word again. But one thing for Paul, that one thing for David, there's one thing. Now it's Martha, and then Jesus is telling Mary this. It's coming out of Jesus' mouth. But one thing is needed, Martha, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. And that is that she is getting close to Jesus, staying in the presence of Jesus. Now, now, now I understand that Martha's cooking a dinner here, but Mary has to make a decision. Martha, I can spend a minute, as much time as I want with you. Jesus is about ready to leave this earth. He's been telling us, he's been warning us, and this may be my last opportunity that I have to be in my Savior's presence. And I'm going to soak up as much as I can. I'm going to get as close as I can to my Savior. Only one thing that matters at this moment, Martha, and that is not cooking a dinner. Okay, we can do that later. What's the most important thing right now is for me to be totally committed to my Savior, to be in his presence, to stay as close as I can. That is the most important thing. Y'all getting what I'm saying? Most important thing. And so she chose to serve the Lord. And so the most important thing we could do is serve Christ and be totally committed to Christ. That's the most important thing that we can do. And so if that's the most important thing that we can do is set at the feet of Jesus, be totally committed to Jesus, I'm going to show you three things that I do. These are my things that I do to keep me close to Jesus, to keep me totally committed to the Lord, okay? And hopefully to help you. They're very basic, very simple, but I want you to see this now. The first one is this. Take advantage of every opportunity. Every opportunity that comes up, if you have an opportunity to read the word, read it. If you have an opportunity to pray, pray. If you have an opportunity to be in the house of God, be in the house of God. That's what you did this morning. You just said, I'm going to get out of this nasty driveway and down this nasty road, and I'm going to take this opportunity, and I'm going to take advantage, and I'm going to go to the house of God. That's what you did. You made the most of this opportunity. But you see here for Mary, Mary took advantage of this opportunity. She said, I only have this opportunity once. I've got many opportunities with you, Martha, but I only have this one opportunity. And I'm going to do what's the most important. I'm going to stay at the feet of Jesus and stay in his presence. And every single one of you this morning, I'm going to ask you this question. You had an opportunity you had an opportunity to take advantage of worshiping the Lord this morning. And I'm going to ask you, did you do it? When you walked in here, did you worship the Lord? Or was your mind thinking about what you got to do tomorrow? Were you on your cell phone looking at your email? Were you looking at all the posts on Facebook? Ask yourself that question. Because if those were the things you were doing, you are not totally committed to Christ right now. 
And I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but you're not. You're, you're missing an incredible opportunity. And we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords to get as close as we can to him. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get us there. I'm going to encourage you. And moving forward this year, I'm going to do everything I can to encourage you to pray more than you've ever prayed. Seek the Lord more than you've ever sought the Lord. Encourage you to get in the altar when you need to get down here. Do not leave this place without having someone pray over you. For heaven bids, don't do it. Take the opportunity because we don't have the, the, the assurance that we can even see tomorrow. I've done more funerals and been at more funerals this year than I've, I have ever been in my life. And death is getting closer and closer. And it just reminds me that I don't have this assurance that I may not even be here next week. And so you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this moment of this time right now. So every moment we have is an opportunity. Let me read you this scripture in Ephesians. It says, Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And what do these people that are wise do? Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because in these evil days, because there are, this, these are days that are evil right now, church. And the greatest thing we could do is keep our family as close as we can to the Lord during this evil season that we're in. We, we live in an evil time. Now, why is it that I, wanna, I want us to worship the Lord every time that we're together? Why is it I want to encourage you? Because the enemy knows that if he can get you away from the serving the Lord as close as he can to the Lord, he can destroy you. And not only can he destroy you, but he can destroy your children. If he could get you, if he could get you sidetracked, he can destroy your family. Why? Because he understands this truth right here. This truth, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. So if you don't take serving the Lord serious, guess what? If you don't do it, your children definitely won't take serving the Lord serious. If you got everything over and, 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 and more important than, than coming to God's house, if you just do it ever so often, you know what? Your children will probably never, ever come to God's house. Because what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. If your children don't see you worship the Lord, they're not going to worship the Lord. One of the greatest things that we could have ever done for our son is us worship the Lord. Yes. And you know what? It never was a piece of a conversation in our house, when we wake up on a Sunday, what do we do? Where are we going? Going to church. Not an option. Don't even think about saying anything different. Because why? It's not a punishment. It's a blessing. We get to go to church because our Savior paid the price so we can live forever. Dude, I'm going to the man who paid the price for me that's given me eternal life, baby. I'm going to go. And we just get together and we go. And guess what? Our son today, I'm so thankful. Guess where they're at this morning? They're in the house of God. My son grabs his lovely wife by the hand and said, we're going to church. And, I'm, and you know what? He has the same attitude that my dad had and what I had. He wakes up and he doesn't feel good. I look at him and I say, well, son, he said, dad, I don't feel very good. I don't think I can go to church this morning. I said, well, have you threw up? He said, no. I said, well, you're not sick enough. You're getting in the car. You're going to church. <laughs> and so if he was like me, he tried to figure it out. He said, oh, I'll get my dad the next time. And next time I wake up, I'm going to be sick. And I'm going to look at him and say, well, son, are you sick? He said, yeah, dad, I'm sick. And I said, well, have you, how sick are you? He said, well, I threw up all over the place, dad. I said, well, good. You must feel better now. Get in the car. We're going to church. 
See, listen to me very closely. You have an opportunity to teach your children. Because what you do, you're either going to teach them to go or not to go. And, and, and it's so important. Now, by the way, I'm super proud. And I told I'm going to preach on little Aria. Aria. Not with that Ariel. No, it's Aria. That guy right there, Adam Bacon and that Kim Bacon right there, that's that little baby's grandparents. And every opportunity that they have, when that little Aria, she hears me calling her name, don't you, sweetie? You go ahead. You talk to me all you want because I'm talking about you. And I'm proud of you because God's going to use you. And God's going to use you to change mama. Little Ashley right now, she's a little away from the Lord. But that gal, she knows Jesus, and she's coming home, Adam. She will be back in God's house. And God's going to use that little Aria right there to bring Mama home. Amen. Why? Because Adam and Kim have made a decision. They've made the decision that they're going to seize this opportunity while they have this little grandbaby, and they're going to take Aria to the house of God. Because what they do in moderation, she's going to do in excess. And I believe that when she gets older, she's going to say, come on, Mama, it's time to go to church. I don't want to go. And next Sunday, come on, mom, it's time to go to church. Come on, mom, it's time to go to church. And she said, she's going to call up Adam one morning. She said, Aria's driving me crazy. What time does church start? I'm going. Why? Because she's not going to compromise that. So take advantage of every opportunity, church. Take advantage while you got it, because you may not have it tomorrow. Take advantage of it. And here's the second thing, if we're going to be totally committed to Christ, is remove distractions. I know this is totally heavy, isn't it? I mean, this is deep. Get rid of distractions. You know what distractions. And you say for, for, for Mary, she had to remove the distraction. Martha was distracted by, by all this incredible cooking. Now, I, I told you a moment ago that the devil... I believe this is all in my heart. He's got God's people confused. He's got people too focused on doing the bad things because we think it's doing all the bad things that's going to keep us out of heaven. I've got news for you. The enemy's going to use more good things to keep God's people out of heaven than the bad things because he doesn't want you to know it's the good things that's going to destroy your life more than the bad things. Why am I say that? Because we take the good things too far. Now, there's one thing I used to hate when the preachers would preach this because I loved baseball. I loved sports with all of my heart. Don't mess with my sports. I'm telling you what, you know, my son plays baseball, and there's some Sundays that he might have to play, and so we're going to may have to go, to go to some of these games. But let me tell you something. There are some parents that have taken it way too far. And what happens is, is when you teach your children Every Sunday, if they have ball games or athletic games or whatever that it may be. Now, I used to hate preachers doing this, so I get it. If you hate me right now, that's okay. Be, just, just move, just go with me, because trust me, I've been on your side. And trust me, and I'm on my side now. And trust me, what I'm about to tell you works a whole lot better than, than, than going that direction. So I would get frustrated because Caleb would have these ball games that Sunday. We love baseball, man. He loved baseball. We love baseball. We love going to his games. But there's one thing that my son taught me. His coach one day here at high school, high school baseball, wanted them to start having a tournament on Sunday mornings. And Caleb looked at him and said, listen, coach, I love baseball, played it all my life, but I am not going to be in a tournament on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to put God second and baseball first. 
And you know what? His coach honored that. His, said, his coach said, well, this is not in a season. This is just a, a league. So if you can find another league, and all I know if you're in another league that doesn't interfere with your church services, then I want you to go. And so Caleb was able to find this league in Jeffersonville that they started at one o'clock on Sundays because it's everybody goes to church league on Sunday mornings and at one o'clock till the rest of the evening, you played baseball. Caleb got in that league because trust me, if you open your mouth, you'll find it. But, but what would have happened had I kept saying, no, no, we're going to put baseball first. What we do in moderation, he'll do in excess. He probably never would go to church. Now, let me read you this scripture here because there was a state, there was a state youth, uh, a, a state leader in the denomination that I was with before. I'm going to tell you this story, and I'm going to read that because it's true. This, this state leader, I've got to be careful. This state leader was very involved with baseball, and I was the youth pastor of his children, and I kept noticing that his children kept missing church every Sunday, and I would get with them and say, where are you guys at? Well, we have a baseball tournaments this weekend. We've got to go to that. And um, parents wasn't there. And, and I, I noticed even, even during big events, they would, they would kill to these baseball games and no longer go to any of the church events, okay? Now, and, you know, I get it. I understand that. And there's sometimes you, you, you do that. I, I get that. I, I understand. But please stay with me. And I kept noticing his children getting further and further, not wanting to get involved with anything in the church. And today, I'm still connected somewhat with this, this incredible leader of this denomination I was with. And I've seen some of their posts, and this is their post that the parents are posting, pray for our children. They're out of church. They're not going to church anywhere. Pray for their souls. Well, let me tell you, they're eating the fruit of their own doing. Yes, sir. They're eating the fruit of what they planted they put the priority on something else rather than keeping the Sabbath holy. I don't care if you come to this church or another. You need to be and keep the Sabbath holy. It's not about, well, you just want to, I don't care what you're, go, you, you got to keep the Sabbath holy. That's one of the Ten Commandments. But he didn't do that. And the enemy now is destroying his children. And when I saw it right with my own eyes, and, and, and now he can't do anything with it. Well, you taught them that. You taught them that. Let me, let me read this scripture to you. In Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, when the Son of Man returns, because watch, it's going to be good things. Baseball's good, isn't it? Football's good, isn't it? Man, you could do it. I mean, hello, I go home after church, watch football. It don't bother a thing. And, 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 and I get it. If you want to go to a game and it's one Sunday out of whatever, I get that part. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I am talking about on a continual basis where it's constantly taking place of church. Okay, and if you want to go camping on the weekends and you're going to miss, that's okay, go one Sunday, it's not a big deal. But what I'm saying is you have to be careful and you've got to remind everybody in the household, look, we're going to do this, but if we're going to go out and do this, we're going to, we're going to talk about the Lord during our little journey together as a family because God's still going to be first, it's still going to be the Sabbath. If we're not in a church, we're going to try to create a little church environment for our family right now, try to do something, pray, seek the Lord, um, but God's going to use good things. And watch, he did this whenever the flood came. When the Son of Man returns, this is Jesus Christ. When he comes back, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets, 
Parties and weddings, those are good things. Just having fun here. Right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. I'm telling you, the enemy is going to use good things to keep people out of heaven more than the bad things. We have to be careful to remove the distractions in our life that could take the place of serving God. That's all I'm saying. And, I, and I've been aware of that all my life. That's just what we did as a family. And some of us, that's why at the end of the year, at the end of the year, we always do a 21-day fast. Let me go and read this next scripture to you before we go there. In Hebrews 12, verses 1, it says, Let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So that's why we do this 21-day fast at the beginning of the year, because it prepares us. We're going to lay aside this stuff. We're going to lay aside the TV, maybe the news, maybe the social media, maybe the internet, uh, whatever that is, maybe your favorite food. Get, get rid of the Twinkies, get rid of the Oreo cookies, get rid of the Doritos, Lord help us. But I'm telling you, get rid of the stuff. Say, I'm not going to put this before God for 21 days. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put God first. He will come first in everything I do. And let your kids see you do it. Get your kids involved with it and watch what will happen. That's why we do that. And so here's the first one. Again, number one, number one, um, take advantage of every opportunity. The second one is remove distraction, and I'm done. Come on, Pastor Dave, I am done. <laughs> Y'all okay? Yes. I'm done. One last scripture, and I'm done. Here's the last one. Make Christ first in your entire life. Oh, make him first. Is he really, truly first? Is he really, truly first? See, I made a decision. I'm just not going to serve God on a Sunday and worship God. I'm going to worship and serve God on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, and a Thursday, and a Friday, and a Saturday, and a Sunday again, and then a Monday again, and then a Tuesday again, and then a Wednesday again, and then a Thursday, and a Friday, and a Saturday, and a Sunday, and a Monday, and Tuesday. And I'm going to keep going every day, I, every opportunity that I, you know, I don't have to do it all day. I could do it for five seconds. I'm going to read this. That's why I love it. Dave McIntosh, when you send those scriptures, because it forces all of us to read that scripture every day. We get the word in us. Don't you stop doing that. And I know there's some days you're going, I need to quit. Don't you, don't you stop. I dare you. Rick, we both gang up on We can hurt you. You keep it up. Brenda, keep it up. You all keep it up. We worship God every day, every day. And Paul makes it very clear what that one thing that really matters is. And watch, he says it right here, Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me, he says. Yes, everything else is worthless when, it compared, when it's compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Only one thing matters, and that is to be completely, totally committed to our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that matters. And we have to take every opportunity that we can to love him and serve him every chance that we get. We've got to remove those distractions and we've got to say, God, I'm going to make you Lord over my entire life, no matter what, forever and always. And this morning, there are some of you, you you've messed up. 
and you've blown it and you're discouraged and you stop, God says, no, get back up. Start shooting again. Get up. Get up. Start shooting at the target again. Don't you quit. Don't you let your little discouragement get you down. No, you get back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Jennifer, this morning, you didn't care. You just came running down here to this altar. Thank you. Because you know what? When you need something from God, you do it. This place of freedom of worship. Get down here. Bury your head in the altar. Let us pray with you. I'm going to push you to be totally committed to God this year. So if I offend you, I'm going to push you. We're going to push you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you. Come on. I'm going to push you to be totally committed to God this year, whatever it takes. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, God, for, God, what you're doing, what you've already done in this church, God. We love you. We bless you. God, I thank you, God, for this moment that we have. That God, that, that we can continue to enter in in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.